Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 3, Revenge of the Ancient Curse. What a time we've had here in the two weeks since the last episode. There's a not-really-ancient, not-really-Chinese saying, may you always live in interesting times, and they certainly have been that. It's been a time of interrupted sleep, a time of worry, a time of some resolution, but overall, it's been a time to draw on those things that get us through interesting times. Around 10.30 a.m. on Thursday morning, after we'd returned to the emergency room of our local hospital seven and a half hours earlier, my fiancé looked at me and said, You've made a lot of progress on that. He was referring to my travel spinning project, a small Turkish spindle that I carry around in my purse with a little bit of fiber, and that I spin into lace weight in waiting rooms and long lines. I had seven grams of fiber in this particular project, and had barely started it, at least before the previous evening. Yes, I said, looking down at it. I'm almost done. That was odd. I looked at it again, my brain sluggish from only two hours sleep. I was almost done. When had that happened? It's funny what you can accomplish in 13 hours while sitting in hospital chairs, even if you do try to get some rest and go get breakfast at some point. When we were back at the hospital last Sunday night, laughing because I'd already been in bed and there really wasn't anything else to do at that point but laugh, I waffled on whether to spin or knit, but in the end I decided I was capable of doing two-by-two rib and pulled out my sock project. There weren't many other people in the waiting room considering it was midnight on a Sunday, or does that make it Monday? But I did catch some of them looking at me a little oddly. What else is one to do late at night, waiting in emergency? Sit and watch late-night talk shows or AHS TV? So I worked on my socks, and when I couldn't count to two anymore, Mike sent me home to bed while he waited for his stitches. I don't want anyone to worry. I meant it when I said that, despite all the worry and three trips to the hospital, it has been a time of resolution. We know now what we're dealing with, which is a sight more than we had before. And it's not too serious. And although I'm still fighting the sleep deficit, I too am well on my way to recovering from the interesting events of the last couple weeks. What I've been thinking about, though, are some of the choices I made during that time. I could have sat there, unable to help, unable to hurry the doctors in to figure out what was going on, and worrying. But I chose to sit there, unable to help, unable to hurry the doctors, worrying, and spinning. That last choice is the important one, because the spinning helped keep the helplessness and worry manageable, controlled, in perspective. On our third trip, I could have sat there, getting more and more frustrated with the delay and more and more tired, but I chose to sit there and knit and do those things, controlling both. What do people do in these situations that don't knit? or spin. 
I saw many of them playing with smartphones. But do Facebook and app games have the same effect? At some point, do you get tired of playing solitaire on a small screen and have to stop? I didn't see anyone reading, though I suppose that might be another option. But would you be able to lose yourself in a book while your partner or child or loved one is sick and in pain, waiting to be treated? Would you even remember what you had read the next day? Maybe some of them were meditating. I wish I had thought at the time to ask them. Controlling stress is a very individual thing. I admit that I have not always been good at it. In fact, there was one point in my life where I was so bad at it, the stress made me ill. But no more. I have tools now. Yoga, exercise, but most importantly, fiber arts. For me, knitting, crocheting, and spinning have become the most important, the most effective ways for me to control stress. I was certainly thankful over the last two weeks that my stress relief is portable. I take knitting to work every day, and I can tell when I need to take my morning and afternoon breaks because there's something inside me that knocks on my brain and says, excuse me, but it's time to do a few rows now. I managed to sit down at the wheel earlier this week for 15 minutes, and as I spun, I could feel the tension leaking out of my shoulders. For just about everyone listening, I expect that fiber arts figure in some way into your stress relief. I don't need to explain to you how soothing it can be to make stitch after stitch, or the joy of a lovely roving that you turn into an equally lovely yarn. I don't need to explain that even in the frustrating times, when your drop spindle lives up to its name, or the pattern just is not working and you have to tear back everything you've knit, the simple act of working with fiber, the tactile distraction of needle and yarn, fleece and wheel, brings so much comfort. I don't need to explain that after all the stress is gone, you're left with a tangible testament to your strength, or at least the strength that you pretended to have as you were working on it. I did finish up the last little bit of my travel spinning project, and I'm about to wind a plying ball with the previously spun other half of the fiber. Soon, I will have a small skein of yarn. When I look at that yarn, I will remember these two weeks, with their sleep deprivation, worry, relief, and above all, strength. I will knit something, something I can wear. And the next time interesting times come along, I will put it on, pick up my needles and spindle, and keep going. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. So this week's Fiber Week segment is actually the last segment to be recorded for the episode. I wanted to actually have something to tell you. Last weekend, I I didn't do anything at all on my homework. I was out all of Saturday, and I was really, really tired on Sunday, recovering from the, the sleep deficit. So I just I sat and rested. Uh, but the week before, I, I did finish the sweater calculations uh, after I put the episode online, and so that was great. So yesterday I sat down and said, no, it's time to time to definitely do some homework. It, it doesn't take too long to spin a small skein. So I started with the 
the merino, the fine wool for module C1. I used uh, some of the leftover combed top that I had from the sweater calculations. Worked just great. I combed up some of the Lincoln, which is the coarse fleece that we got in class, and mm, that's pretty. It's nice and shiny, and and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that hit the water and see how that uh, looks after the wash. And then and then it was lunchtime, so I came upstairs and I said, well, I'm, I need to record percentages for blends, so I might as well set up some, some pages in my notebook for that. And uh, so I wrote... I wrote it down and I thought, well, there's blending too for, for a different module, module B3, which is blending for characteristics. So I might as well set those up as well and figure out what exactly it is I'm going to blend. So I wrote out the, the types of blends that I needed to make and then I started thinking about it and I, <laughs> I came up with like the same blend for just about everything, which I'm thinking is wrong. And then I got to um, blend to lighten a heavy fiber. And I sat and thought about that for a minute. And I could not, for the life of me, remember what constituted a heavy fiber. I'm pretty sure we covered it in class, but I just can't remember. So I went to the work, the manual that we got, and I searched through it, and I couldn't find anything in there where they were talking about, you know, alpaca and llama and merino or the wool, the different wool um, grades and mohair, nothing said that something was heavy. Now I have an idea of what constitutes a heavy fiber, but I'm just not 100% sure. So between that and, you know, coming up with the same blend for everything else, I was a little frustrated uh, with that. I'm going to post a question on the Fiber Week Ravelry group and see if anybody can give me some direction on that. And, and if that doesn't work, then I'm going to email my instructor and just try and get some clarification. But this is where my advice to everybody out there who's doing their level levels homework is don't do what I do and actually start your homework immediately following Fiber Week. Because like I said, I'm sure we covered this in class and I just can't remember. And, and I didn't, it's not in my notes. So, so yes. Don't, don't do what I do. Do as I say, not as I do. And hopefully level three, <laughs> I will do as I say and not as I've been doing. But I didn't want to just stop. I mean, I was on a roll. So I, I took a look and, and then I saw, okay, module B6, optical blending. That's where you take two primary colors and make a secondary and tertiary color by just carding it together. And I've actually done this before. Um, part of when I was practicing in level one, Level one was the first time I'd ever been introduced to carding, and it was also the first time I'd ever been introduced to spinning woolen. So one of the things I did was grab uh, a red and a blue commercial top and practiced both carding. And once I'd gotten it carded into a very nice purple, uh, then I spun it uh, woolen just for practice. And I have a really nice, lovely, large skein of purple woolen yarn downstairs in my stash but I've done the optical blending before not figuring out the percentage or anything but I have done it so I was I thought to myself you know this this is relatively easy uh, it's not going to take too much let's let's just work on b6 because I am on a roll and I need to practice carding anyway because I've been doing more combing since fiber week than carding 
So I finished up the oranges, actually, between yesterday and today. I have my red orange, my orange, and my yellow orange. And I also have one skein of red orange, orange. <laughs> my, uh, my first try after I'd finished the red orange was a little too red to actually be orange. So I have an extra skein of that. So that's going well. I'm going to move on to the greens, um, mostly because... Uh, with the yellow, you need to use a lot of it, and I want to just make sure that I have enough before I move on to the purples. After I finish off all the blending, I'll decide which blend I want to do for the 10-yard skein that I need to have for this module. And, uh, and well, before I do that, I'll spin up the, the true colors, the red, the yellow, and the blue, and then decide which one I'm going to reproduce for the 10-yard skein. So that's fun. And then after that, I get to make a color wheel, which will also be fun. I'll have to think of something to do, something, some way of displaying these yarns. They're really quite pretty. But that leads me into the level one module I want to cover, which is C7 and blending. Uh, if you're anything like me, if you're in level one, this is the first time you've ever been, you know, introduced to blending, carding. Um, putting putting different fibers together. And this is actually one of the modules that I lost marks on, one of the ones where I was really desperate to fix it. And I think the reason I lost marks not necess- doesn't necessarily have anything to do with my blending technique. It was the way I chose to spin uh, this the the two particular yarns. Um, the ones that I lost marks on were the ones where you blend silk noil. Uh, silk noil is the fluffy, really short fiber, staple length, all, all textury uh, silk stuff. Not the shiny, pretty top. And what I had chosen to do was spin it woolen. Because like I said, I this was a, level one was the first time I'd ever been introduced to spinning woolen and I wanted the practice. So I spun up a woolen skein and I lost marks on the fact that the noil wasn't integrated into the yarn. And I think the reason for that is because it spun woolen. If I'd spun it worsted, that parallel fiber alignment uh, and the, the tight the tight spin would have made it more integrated. I, I really don't think it has anything to do with the blending technique that I used. So when you blend, the way we were taught uh, in level one to blend, I, this is how I do it, and this is how I'm doing it for, for the optical blending as well. I usually do four passes, and then I take the, the bat off the cards. Now, in, in the case of the optical blending, because I'm only basically doing two bats, once I take that first bat off the cards, I tear it in half and then put it back on the cards, You know, stack it and put it back on the cards. But if you're doing a little bit more, you take it off and then, then do another bat, and then put that on top until you have a a stack of bats. And then tear it into pieces. You know, if you've got four bats there, you tear it into four different pieces, the stack, and then put it back on the cards. Now, the reason for this is because if you just keep carding the same bat, it's not going to change. You need to sort of mix it up a little bit. So what I usually do is is two, two sets of that. So four passes, and then tear it and put it back on the cards, and then another four passes. And that's usually enough. You can do more, 
but I find then you you've overcarded it and you really have to ride that line when you're blending between blending it enough and carding it too much so so when you're doing your blending I mean it might take more tries I mean if, if you're not happy with the blend just do it again you know what you're what you're getting is practice at carding and at blending and that's going to serve you in good stead as you move forward I mean I certainly I don't regret the amount of time I spent on something that wasn't level one homework doing that that purple skein because it taught me how to card and it taught me how to blend it was really really useful so as you're doing the blending you know like I said if you're not happy with it don't worry about it put it to the side call it a learning experiment and and do something else so I'll be working on the rest of the optical blending for for the next you know week or so um, I'm gonna see if I can get some information about module B3 so that I can actually do that and yeah I'm I'm hopefully gonna get a week off here not next week uh, or this coming week but the week after and I'm hoping to get a really good chunk of of homework done because it's coming soon uh, I don't know if anybody else out there has looked but they have posted the level instructors and level three is Marg Schostrom, who is who I had for level one. And I'm really looking forward to that. Marg is an awesome teacher. A lot of fun in class. So yeah, definitely going to push hard on the level homework, level two homework, and, and see what we can do. I'll update you next episode and we'll see how far I've gotten. Fiber notes. So there's one thing about fiber notes that I've noticed, and it really uh, brings attention to how little I can actually accomplish in two weeks, because I I don't really have much to report. Nothing's finished. Some progress has been made on a few things, and I started a new pair of socks. But I haven't worked on the sweater in another two weeks, so that makes four. And, uh, and yeah, nothing's finished, but, uh, but I did manage to finish off the longitudinal sock, which is way too big, like really way too big. But I did, I did the, uh, the hundred stitch Kitchener. I only dropped one and I decided not to knit the other sock. Um, it really, it just is not a nice fabric. Um, uh, but I am going to do the math and make sure that I know, exactly what it is I need in terms of row gauge uh, to make the pattern work for another yarn. So once I was done that, I cast on for the Spats Socks by Kate Poe. This is a new free sock pattern uh, on Ravelry. And, uh, and they're knit from the top down, which is not how I generally do my socks, because I have size 12 feet, and I don't trust yardage much. But I know that uh, the, the yarn I chose, yeah, I've knit socks out of them before and then torn them back. So I know I can get a pair of socks out of the yarn. I'm um, just working on the top. It's two by two rib and it's going pretty well. The, uh, the two different skeins of yarn, because it is a hand dyed yarn that I'm using, are pooling differently. And it's fun. It's really fun 
uh, to see how they're turning out. So they're going to be fraternal socks. I probably have another inch or two of the 2 by 2 rib to do before I get on to the spats part, which I'm really looking forward to, to doing because it looks just awesome. So I'll put a link to this pattern in the show notes. The other thing I've been knitting on is uh, Wave Maiden. Uh, the last Saturday, uh, I went to uh, a knitting uh, get-together and worked on that pretty much for three hours. Then came home and had to tear back pretty much everything that I'd knit. Um, I was looking at it and discovered two random yarnovers where there shouldn't have been. And I, I don't know, the stitch count worked, so I don't know what was going on with that. So I tore it all back and I've... I've not knit a few rows, um, but I had to tire back probably about 16. So I'm not back to where I was uh, by the end of that, but uh, but I'll get there. Um, the green random fiber is still on the spinning wheel. I'm almost done, though. Probably another half hour with that. But I didn't do any of my master spinner homework last weekend, so I put the traditional to the side put the joy down in front of the chair and I'm working on my homework uh, right now but we'll see I mean maybe I'll just maybe I'll spin on the green stuff while I'm doing laundry tomorrow and get that get that done at least the half that I've been working on and yeah the only other thing is my travel project which got quite a bit more love this uh, this last two weeks than it usually would I am ready to to wind that into a plying ball and I was looking for something, usually when I wind a plying ball, uh, I wind it around, I have a, a set of um, juggling, like beanbag things, not not like a hacky sack, because it's not fabric, it's leather. But that was going to be too big for for this, um, this skein that's going to come out of the travel project. So I went looking for something, I could wrap it around a bead or something. What I ended up finding was a... Um, a cedar moth ball that I I have a few of those in my fiber stash and I'm like well this is the perfect size so I have to wind that I'll probably do that tomorrow just so that it's ready to go for the next week and yeah but yeah still no work on the sweater um haven't looked any further at my at you know lengthening the cuffs on my mom's sweater the good news is that I've uh, I've asked for a week off, um, which will be the week leading up to the next episode. So I'm hoping to to get you know a lot of homework done, get a few of these smaller projects you know out of the way, and and move on from there. So that's fiber notes for this episode. In a couple weeks, I'm hoping to have a little bit more progress to report. By the wayside. It's time once again for the bi-weekly by the wayside update and the tapestry unfortunately fell victim to the craziness that took place in the last couple of weeks. I before it all hit I managed to get a couple of uh, a couple of lengths of uh, yarn put into it but I'm I didn't really get a lot done and I hate to admit that because I am trying to, you know, get this, get this done. But I did work on it, which is the important part. 
But with things calming down, I should be able to work on it a little more in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, maybe I'll actually get to the point where I can decide if I'm going to do the Bayou stitch or not. I'm leaning towards it. I'm leaning towards doing the Bayou stitch and just moving my way across, outlining and then Bayou. Should be interesting. It's going to be fun. So I'll update you again in two weeks. I'll post a picture, which will not have changed much from the last one, but I will post a picture uh, on the blog uh, with the show notes and, uh, and also in the Ravelry group. So that's it for By the Wayside for this episode. Thank you for joining me for episode three. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode four on February 24th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiberside.